filled with guns and war And all of us got trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready The children died, the days grew cold A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold Hello and welcome to Cricket Commentaries. As always, I'm your host, Jack Master, and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. Um, so, this might not be the most factually dense episode, but you know what? It's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, once again, we are returning to Left Behind. Yes. The, uh, 2014 Nicolas Cage movie yes. uh, about the rapture. And uh, you know what? I, someone quoted, someone said that this is the best movie made about the rapture, and I'm going to keep that a secret until later on in the episode. We'll find out who said that. To see who said that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it has okay. been described as... I'm just trying to think how many movies are there about the rapture. Uh, At least four of them. Because those are the ones also based on the Yeah, examples. like, I'm just... The, I can't think of any other ones besides the ones... You know, I mean, we talked about Apocalypse made by Cloud 10 Studios last week. Remember before they made... Right. The, I'm, I'm sure they exist, but they're just not coming to mind right now. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, Left Behind. We talked about that last week. It's a terrible, terrible, awful film um, directed by Vic yeah, Armstrong. Yeah, no, it's just like... On almost every front, as a film, it just completely fails to deliver. Yeah, like I think on the first, the conc- kind of the thesis of the first episode was like, uh, uh, we wouldn't even be talking about it if Nick Cage wasn't in it because it was it would not be a film. <laughs> it would just be like right, a series of images, moving images. It would be a film in only the technical sense. <laughs> Almost not even. <laughs> like it's almost like a <laughs> like a reel more than it's a film. Um, right. But anyway, it's just visual. Yeah, exactly. It's just a visual thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, Nick Cage, as we mentioned, uh, Chad Michael Murray, as we mentioned last week. But you know, if you're joining us new, so. Yep. We talked about kind of last week. We talked about like the the book mostly, like and all the other background stuff in the films, and like you know the like horrible evangelical author, like you know who wrote the book, <laughs> yeah, uh, and all that jazz. Um, and then we kind of got into how you know the uh, there was that whole thing about how the author like sued the company about the rights. That was kind of confusing. And there was kind of like, you know, that race to for production. And then, you know, the mm-hmm. Canadians got involved. Yeah. So do you think that, like, maybe this film was rushed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe it was rushed. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, we'll let the viewers of the film decide, you know, mm, yeah. based on its overall quality. Um, so yeah, this week we're going to talk about the actual production, and I'm going to level with you right now. There's not a lot to talk about. You've seen the film. It's fucking boring as shit. Yeah. You know, there's, 
they were in a plane. Well, I mean, I think that there's some interesting things that we're going to explore, though. Like, specifically, like, why is Nicolas Cage in this movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we brought that up briefly uh, last yeah. week, and I think we're going to go into a bit more detail this week. Why is Oscar-winning actor Nick Cage in this movie? <laughs> well, clearly because he thought it was an Oscar-worthy role. Exactly. Um, yeah. So... So yeah, so let's 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 talk about the production, then we'll get into kind of all the other you know side tangents that I think are gonna all right. take up most of the episode. <laughs> so so let's let's start on that. Yeah, so once Cloud Cloud Ten, you recall, is the uh, the production company that made made the film. Um, they secure their actors, and we'll get into how they secured Nick Cage, or rather, kind of our our overarching theory as to why they secure Nick Cage because. As we explored last episode, it's pretty. Uh, this episode or this film is pretty, uh, uh, based especially on that quote, pretty uh, antithetical to his whole filmmaking philosophy. Um, <laughs> he says he doesn't want to preach. Well, he's not preaching, man. The film's doing. I mean, by by virtue of being in the film, I feel like he's kind of preaching. You know, man, he's just he's just in the film, you know. People, the viewers can make up their own minds, man. He's just an artist, man. Yeah. You know, he's not saying anything, you yeah, know? He's just, you know he's, it's, it's up to... He's not even asking questions, man. Not even. Not even. Um, but, yeah, so they... He's just reading the script. He's he's acting out what's on the script. And he's... You know, the viewers can make up their own yeah, minds. Yeah, cashing means. that paycheck. <laughs> Catching that face. Sending it directly to the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um anyway, so Cloud Cloud Ten get their actors and they're they're kinda legal go ahead, however that works with the with the studio and uh, uh LaHaye, I believe. Um so then Vic Armstrong, the, the director, uh, and uh legend. legend, true legend. Uh I was reading earlier he, he worked even he started working on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's pretty crazy. Like he worked, like he's been in the industry that long. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think he's doing stunts. Maybe he was. I, I, I didn't really look into it. I just saw that. Anyway, um, he goes to Baton Rouge, um, uh, to like scout locations and whatnot. Um, I don't know why it was New Orleans that they decided to shoot in. Maybe Nick Cage had something to do with it because, as we mentioned last week, he lived there for a while. Mm-hmm. I think he might still live there part-time. I don't really know. Um, but he'd also... He, Nick Cage had also shot five other films in New Orleans. So That's... Uh, well, I guess he was uh, familiar with it. He had enough clout that maybe he convinced the production that that's where they should do it. Yeah. So that he wouldn't have... I don't know. Uh, does he? Ha- does he have a house there? I think he probably did at the time. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, he did. I know he maybe did he's earlier. Like, Fuck it. I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Maybe that was one of the conditions. Like, yeah, okay, I'll do it, but you have to come to me. <laughs> you have to come to me. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> um, but apparently, uh, uh, Vic Armstrong put like a casting call out on Twitter, <laughs> like with like an email for. You people. know, that's that's the best place to get actors. That's the like, best place to get anybody you need for anything. You know, the most talented people are on Twitter. That. There are some other people there too. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the talented but... people I know who are like alive are on Twitter. Yeah, yeah for the most part. Um, so yeah. Other than all the other people who could see your tweet, you know, 
thousand people could see. Yeah, yeah, he, and he put his email, or not his email, but the email, the casting email, uh, out mm-hmm. there, and you know, people in the area, I guess. Unfortunately for uh, for us, um, unlike Big Fish uh, and Montgomery, uh, there was less local coverage <laughs> of the making of right. this film. Shockingly, because Nick Shockingly. Nick Cage was there, so you know, it's true. That's something. But yeah, so they eventually began shooting in August of 2013, and really, as I said. It's not that interesting. They shot the film. They were in a fake plane for a while. I don't know. There's probably some information about those pyrotechnics, but I, I, I couldn't find anything about it. I didn't really look. I mean, you know, yeah, they blew stuff up. You know, are, yeah. Like honestly, nothing. They're pretty similar all the way around. <laughs> the only time we actually talked about pyrotechnics was for. Uh, um, the Hurt Locker, really? in which case that was an integral part of the movie. Yeah, it was actually quite interesting. We got into it quite yeah. quite in detail. It was it's quite an art, really. Um, yeah, really. Um, unlike this film. Unlike this film. And that's what I was just going to say. As we kind of talked, like last week we said, like there's, there's kind of no artistry in or around this film at all. So, you know. <laughs> artistry or just craft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. There's kind of just no point in talking about the production because, like, yeah, no artistry or craft. So, why bother? So, so why don't we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's move right case. fucking on to the more interesting, better shit that this movie has to offer. Okay. And uh, what what kind of stuff would we be moving on to? We're going to jump right yeah. into the good shit. The fucking down to the bottom. <laughs> Yeah, the good shit, the bottom of it, the 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 deep, like Mariana's trench depth of the touching the crust of the earth. That's how true it's gonna be. Point is, we're talking about this the, the this film and the true things about it. So the truth is the section where we kind of get into real stuff about the film. Um, this is gonna be an interesting film to get into that with, but. There's a few angles we're going to approach it from because there's a lot of good stuff. So the first thing I did for this section was I uh, obviously, I think as every good researcher does, was I Googled Rapture. Well, I didn't, I didn't Google it. Sorry, I duck duck goat it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want Google to start advertising you about no, the no, Rapture. No, no, no. I mean, my honestly, my Google and my YouTube, like history is fucked at this point so uh i'm getting some <laughs> yeah I'm, exactly. I'm already getting like too. some unfortunate recommendations that i'm trying to steer clear of i like bigfoot stuff and honestly if you watch bigfoot stuff it's only a matter of time before they start giving you like 9-11 conspiracy shit um huh i wonder why yeah i wonder it's kind of a weird connection if you ask me but anyway, the point is, one of the er- first things that came up was uh, this article that we're going to go through, because I think it's important. It's four things every Christian should know about the rapture. And I think it's from crosswalk.com, which I assume is a, uh, uh, you know, faith-based website. But before we get into this, I, I think I want to clarify something about the rapture. <laughs> Please do, yes. Yeah, so... Um... 
I would hazard a guess that, you know, well, first of all, like, not all Christian denominations believe in the rapture, and I would hazard a guess that most of them actually don't. Yeah, well, the rapture, it's a very interesting kind of, like, the whole evangelical, uh, uh, like, rapture, yeah. apocalypse type of Christianity Spe- is yeah, extremely Specifically, new. this, this, like, whole idea, like, from what I understand, originates mostly in a group of people mostly in the United States. It's, yeah, 1950s Amer- uh, like American like revivalist uh churches is basically where this idea comes from. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, the evangelical movement, evangelical Protestants, you know, started doing those, you know, uh faith healing and all that sort of that that vibe, you know, that that group of people. I think um they just started taking they they started taking uh, uh revelations it's Revelations, yeah. Extremely, yeah. extremely that's, that's seriously. That's where most of this comes from. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't know that every, I'm no, I'm not no expert, but I don't know that every denomination takes Revelations as literally as as the evangelicals do, but that, that's, I think that's the point, is like, we're, this is not like, a, a, like, a overarching, uh, uh, this is, this is not a majority belief. This is not a default Christian belief. Like, if you're Christian, yeah. you, don't, you probably don't believe this. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a very specific sect. Um, mm. but yeah, so let's 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 see what. Let's talk about the end time. Let's talk about what Crosswalk <laughs> thinks you should know. What every Christian should know about the Rapture. Um, so first of all, I'll just go through the ma- the four things, then we can go into the detail if there's anything I- interesting in them, but. The four things you need to know are, one, what signs indicate that the rapture and end times are near? So you got to know that. That's good to know because, you know, obviously you got to be able to spot the oncoming rapture. Um, two, why should I avoid determining a date and time for the rapture? That's a good one because clearly... Wait, so then why does the first... Don't those two things conflict? No, 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 no. You just have to be watching for it, but you just can't say that it's gonna happen like next Thursday. Oh, okay. You just have to say it's coming. So you should try to figure out what it's gonna be, but not exactly what it's gonna yeah, be. You just can ob- observe the signs, but just don't say that it's happening until just say it's nigh, you know? Nigh is good. <laughs> right, okay. Vague. So yeah, you should avoid, because I think, you know, you know, we've we've seen time and time again uh, you know, certain sects of uh, religious groups putting a date and time on the rapture and that time comes to pass and they have to backtrack and it's pretty awkward. So I think that's a very yeah. good rule, number two. Um, this is an interesting one that I never considered. Number three is, will I be a part of the rapture if my body is cremated? That's interesting. Uh, I would assume so. Really? What, what do they say? says, when scripture says the dead in Christ will rise, it is speaking of the bodily resurrection of believers. At this time, the spirits of believers will be united with their perfect and complete resurrection bodies. Quote, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. No exceptions. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I, this is I, this is just more quote, and it doesn't really answer the question. Um, well, my my thinking would be that like you know, would something as 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 
you know, simple as cremation, stop the Lord from... Uh, That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, like, it has, seems like a minor inconvenience for him. It really seems like, yeah, cremation really shouldn't be an issue. <laughs> he should be able to just zap that shit back into, you know, just reanimate those ashes, baby. If he can bring a skeleton, you know, if skeletons are fine, what's the difference? You know, really? Um, and then finally, four, what will happen in heaven after the rapture, which is an interesting one, but... Frankly, it doesn't. I, it doesn't concern me because I don't think I'm gonna be allowed there. Even you know, um, <laughs> you, you don't. You don't think you're gonna get uh, raptured? I'm definitely not, not in the first one. You know, De- like I might. You know, I don't think. Uh, no, I'm definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any way. Even if I was like a practicing Christian, I feel like I'm not decisive enough to have like enough faith. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd be like the preacher that got left behind. Uh, yeah, I I do find it a very interesting thing that they they specifically like mentioned in the thing that like you know only faith can save you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not when about... that that's like a very specific like argument that uh well the, you know there was a uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, schism in the church in a certain time around uh, you know the 1400s that uh, 1400s 1500s about that question yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's and you know some things happened yeah that's because a, of that it's a pretty big there's a lot of stuff happened in that yeah. area with the church but yeah specifically a guy named Martin Martin Luther <laughs> said something about faith alone and so yeah yeah that's... Martin Luther came around and now there's a whole thing you know Martin Luther Luther and yeah yeah. Yeah, so that that's why I thought it was interesting that they specifically highlighted that. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Um, this whole, I don't think this whole movie is like even, like, should be taken as evangelical, like, gospel, you know? No, no, because, like, as I was alluding to last episode, the evangelicals that watched it hated it. Yeah, and we will get into specifics a little later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because they really hated it. Um, but yeah, so that's four things every Christian should know about the rapture. Are there any questions? I think maybe we should go through what signs indicate that the rapture are coming. Like, yeah, yeah. Why, why don't we do that? Like, I think the obvious. What's the first thing I should look for? So the sign of deception. Sign of deception. Which is many people who claim to be the Messiah. So you have to okay. look out for false messiahs. Okay. And seek mystics, religious leaders who claim to have deeper knowledge, stuff like that. In the end times, people will be crying desperately for leaders to deliver them. Uh, so that's, I mean, you could argue that that's going on now. <laughs> yeah, depends where you're looking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it depends on how you interpret that. I mean, you could say, you know, uh, people will seek mystics and religious leaders who claim to have deeper knowledge. You could say Trump supporters are doing that. Well, I mean, here's you my thinking. <laughs> you said, like... You know, I feel like that's been going on, you know, for all of history, so... <laughs> like, literally constantly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's never stopped. That's kind of why it's uh, pretty easy to be caught up yeah. in the end times or nigh. Because they yeah. kind of are constantly a little bit. Um, so the other one is the sign of disputes among nations, <laughs> which is, come on. Okay. That's literally... Yeah, definitely. When is that not happening? I don't know. Wars and dissension among groups of people begin to escalate. But yeah, conflict and such, uh, that's going to happen. Race wars, they say. 
devastation, deliverance into the tribulation before just before Jesus returns, there will be an explosion of antagonism towards God's people. Christians will be persecuted. Uh, We are seeing this happen today. Sorry, this is a quote. We are from this website. We are seeing this happen today with the rise of ISIS and the horrific attacks on Christians in the Middle East. East, as we grow closer to the end, many will pay a high price for living out their faith in our world. Interesting. Uh, What about the Roman Empire? Yeah. Like, they threw Christians to the lions. Isn't that, like, a lot of, like... Isn't that a lot worse? That seems like a lot worse than, like... You can't, anyway. you can't say Merry Christmas anymore. You know, there's a war yeah. on Christmas, you know, I said in a sarcastic tone. <laughs> it, 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 be, it is not the, uh, it is not the uh, opinion of this podcast that the end times are not. Yeah, we are not, we are not a pro uh, end times are nigh podcast. I think we're kind of ambiguous about the end times on the podcast. I, I would say. I think, I think we are. We're, we're kind of neither here nor there. End times... Uh, ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we can move on from the four things every Christian should know about the rapture, because now, now everybody who now we're gonna talk about knows. what everybody really wants to know about. This is the the dirt, the good stuff. And that's Nicholas Cage. Who did? Tell me how to get burned. How to get burned. How to get burned. Back up. Back up! I swear to God, I will shoot you! This is murder! Murder! Killing me will bring back your goddamn honey! Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Last week, we talked about Nicolas Cage's uh, financial situation. I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Not good. It's not good. <laughs> he definitely lost a lot of money, but it's actually the, it's a little bit more complicated than I thought, or than okay. I than I uh, knew. So there's a, a Reuters article here from 2009 that mm-hmm. kind of goes into a little bit of Nick Cage's side of. What's going on? Mm-hmm. So I'll just, I'll, if you want to read a little bit from that, then maybe. Actor Nicolas Cage filed a $20 million lawsuit against his former business manager on Friday, accusing him of negligence and fraud that sent the National Treasure <laughs> star down a path toward financial ruin, in quotes. Yeah, that's a that's I a, like that they, uh, they, um, Listed him as the star of National Treasure. Yeah, well, I mean, two thousand. He what is the star Great of National film. Treasure? That's an excellent film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the down a path toward financial ruin is quoted. Yeah, Cage claimed that his recently fired business manager had failed to pay taxes when they were due and had placed him in speculative and risky real estate investments, resulting in uh, the actor suffering catastrophic losses. Yikes! I mean, if that's true, then yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, if that's true, that's a real fucking bummer. <laughs> yeah, do you know what happened with the suit? The guy, so his manager's name is Samuel Levin. Yeah? I looked into Samuel Levin, he's like, he's kind of disappeared. 
I that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, but I think kind of like I haven't been able to find much about this suit. Uh, I don't think it, it was very very public the uh, results of it. Well, yeah, that's that's generally why people settle, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So apparently, uh, he at the time of the article he was he owed six point six million dollars in back income taxes. Oof, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, and so he was suing for twenty million. Got it. Oh, I've got. Okay, well, I've got the. Uh, I've got the suit here, the actual document here. Let's see if there's anything interesting in here. Uh, Nicholas Cage is one of the most sought after and highly paid actors in the world. He is also the victim of an incompetent business manager. Who lined his pockets with several million dollars in business management fees while sending Cage down a path towards financial ruins? Wow. Allegations. So he. Wow, there's a lot of. Let's see. 12. Uh. Allegations against him. Against the. the 11. Yeah. And they're all kind of confusing and legally, so I don't really. I can't really. Right, okay. Translate them. But yeah, Uh, weird stuff. do you know who who of Levin's who Levin's other clients were? I don't know. Because I presume that they would not have been happy about, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So it looks like so here here's an a, an ABC article from shortly after from also from two thousand nine. Um, so apparently he he filed a countersuit claiming the actor went quote on a spending binge of epic proportions. Which is something we have talked about. Um, the business yeah. manager claimed he quote warned Cage that in order to quote maintain his lavish lifestyle, he needed to earn thirty million dollars a year. Well, allegedly, uh, according to Forbes dot com, uh, he earned forty million dollars in two thousand eight. So he's good. <laughs> well, that one year. <laughs> this is that. This is the year after that. Uh, yeah, but I think that that was probably his like peak, right? Like, what year was National Treasure? Two thousand three, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. two thousand four. By the way, you know, I don't think that uh, his uh, earning has gone up since then. No, I mean, I think it dipped. I think it's going up again now. He started doing some stuff. Um, it says here that. Um, by 2000 uh, by July 2008 Levin claims this is Levin claims Cage owned 15 palatial homes around the world uh four yachts in the Caribbean the Mediterranean Newport Beach and Rhode Island he uh-huh. owned one island in the Bahamas one Gulf Stream jet and millions in jewelry and art um he Claims he quote implored the actor to stop buying property and spending, um, but he quote rejected this advice and continued his compulsive spending. So it kind of comes down to a he said he said situation here. Yeah, but it doesn't though because all of this information is like oh, is, there's paper. Yeah, yeah, you're right. For, there's paper records for everything here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About. So. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I really, I really wonder what the settlement was. Obviously, it's not public, but like, uh, I wonder if if Nicolas Cage was kind of like, um, he he, it, uh, if 
if he basically realized there's no way that I'm winning this suit, I will just take a small settlement now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or if uh, if Levin was just like, oh, he's going to win, you know, I may as well just pay the settlement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm just looking through, like, kind of trying to find some updates but, on But, I mean, we know for a fact that he did buy these things. Yeah, like, I, he was definitely... I think the point is, like, Levin is claiming that he warned that he was extremely transparent to Nick Cage about how bad his finances were. So it kind of comes down to, I guess, he's whether or not we believe that Nick Cage is kind of an out-of-touch idiot. Because he would have to be. If if Nick Cage should have known. Yeah, like, if he, like, (laughs) he would have to be an out-of-touch idiot if, like, he would have to be a straight-up moron if, if Sam Levin was warning him this stuff, like if he was extremely transparent and it's still, he was still that lavish as Sam Levin says. So honestly that I find that difficult to believe, but you know, that's just my thinking, but this is turning into a TMZ. So I'll stop speculating about that point. But point being, he was not in good financial shape. Do we have any more numbers that we can, uh, that we can throw right out there. Here. <laughs> well, he like did we mention so six million dollars in debt to the IRS. Six point six. Six point six. Um, and that's one. That's one. Uh, I one bill from the IRS. I assume that probably wasn't the last. Yeah, exactly. That was just the initial one. I'm just looking through. But some yeah, so other. consider that that year, like that tax year, he earned forty million, right? Yeah. Presumably, he'd already paid taxes on the forty million. Presumably, and he owes six point six million dollars on top of that to the IRS. Yeah, that's true. Specific, or unless he didn't pay taxes on the forty million, and that's what. It... Yeah, that's literally <laughs> that's... what it was. Yeah, because it's like maybe he got the forty million, didn't pay taxes on it, spent all the money, and then, uh oh, I need to pay my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I found a list of stuff. Because he did say something about not paying taxes, like that that um, Levin didn't pay his taxes. He did say that, yeah. He said Levin didn't pay his taxes. Which, okay, yeah, that's... You would think that, you know, regardless of how lavish he was, that, you know, the taxes probably should have been paid, The right? taxes should have been paid, yeah. You'd think, yeah. would, like, so, okay, here we go. I found, like, a, this is from financebuzz.com. I've got a list mm-hmm. of where all the money went. <laughs> okay. Number one, dinosaur skulls. Okay. Um, he allegedly outbid, this is allegedly, so we're starting off on a good note here. Um, allegedly outbid Leo DiCaprio for a 67 million year old Tarabasaurus skull. Tarabasaurus. Valued at over $300,000. Um, I think I heard about this. Uh, I believe that he didn't even get to keep it because it turns out that it was like illegal, and he had to he had to return it to the Mongolian government. I believe so. Yeah, I did. I do remember hearing about that. He bought a forty acre, seven million island. Seven million dollar. Yeah. Um, okay. Where? Uh, south of Nassau for his private use. Only seven million dollars? Yeah, forty acre. That's that's pretty good. 
That is pretty, pretty good. good value. That is pretty good value, honestly. Why yeah. seven million bucks? I definitely private would. island south of Nassau, seven million only. That's a steal. Yeah, that's a steal. Yeah. I wonder what the taxes are like on that though. Well, well, he it's didn't in Nassau, so probably not much. Yeah, and he didn't pay them either <laughs> way. So sorry, it's in the Bahamas, so probably not much. Yeah, they weren't. The taxes weren't paid either way, so it's good. So this this website's yeah. a fucking joke. I just want to put that out there. Just because okay. this one says two albino king cobras, and it says, allegedly K- Cage used the cobras for protection. Some others say he used it for sexual activities. Like, <sighs> what are you fucking doing? Like, what is this website? <laughs> I don't know. This is garbage. I'm just wondering how you would... Is it, like, the bite? I don't... I who, Like, literally, what are they implying? Like, <laughs> yeah, like... I don't know. Like, you just have a cobra around your neck or something or you like oh or maybe it's like uh you insert the cobra <laughs> like the maybe it's like a asphyxiation thing oh interesting interesting yeah no let's move on yeah, from this. interesting theory <laughs> although cobras cobras don't constrict do they i don't know i, don't know I think i don't expert. think they're constrictors but yeah i don't know anything about snakes so can't tell you <laughs> um it also says he bought According to visitors, Cage had a collection of shrunken heads, but these are all fight. This is all. I'm gonna stop going through this because this is just stupid. Right, but anyway, he bought a bunch of shit. Point being, he was he was kind of rumored to be a a spendy guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he sued his manager for. So long story short, yeah, he. What we know for sure is that he spent a lot of money on some stuff that we don't know exactly. We don't know how much money, but. And he owed the IRS a lot of money. And yeah. he claimed... And he sued his business manager. Yeah, he claimed his business manager fucked him over. And his business manager Both claimed... Both things can be true. Yeah, and he claimed his business manager's... A, or his business manager claimed Nick Cage was a moron, basically. And he claimed his business manager was a moron. Or nefarious. Yeah. But... So that's, yeah, that's where we stand on that uh, piece. So that's... That's interesting. Um, so I guess what you know we won't we won't know, you know, if the business manager is nefarious until you know the rapture and see if he disappears. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, like, well, actually, no, it doesn't matter because if he didn't believe, yeah, exactly, he has to be like a Christian as well, or like yeah, an, uh, and he has, to, he has to really believe. Exactly. Um. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> This movie's so bad, man. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, all right. Shall we move on? Yeah, so this is the final like uh, little uh, uh, prong of the truth here. Um, and you kind of mentioned last week there's a lot of... There were a lot of like plain things. You know, plain yeah. talk. Um, so luckily for us, uh, IMDB has that thank that trusty uh, uh errors section <laughs> so we can figure out exactly what their uh factual errors yeah, were yeah so it's some pedantry here in uh in action in action so yeah if you go there and then scroll down to factual errors that's where we start to get the actual plain stuff well i i do see a thing here about pilots never wear their jackets during the flight as they can be restrictive when reaching the overhead panel etc Interesting. As well as being generally uncomfortable when sitting for long periods. So why do they even have jackets Actually, as part of the uniform? Why don't they give them like a fucking like you know, body suit? I don't know, like a flight suit. 
Yeah, why don't they give them like yeah, like a fucking onesie? I, I don't know, cause, cause they want to have jackets. Lame. You know, um, yeah, no, like it's important. You gotta be able to reach shit, man. See, I think the problem is airplanes are trying to go. They're trying to go navy ship when they should be trying to go astronaut. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know that they are, but no, they're <laughs> okay. they're trying to go like they're they're aesthetic. They're I trying think to astronaut go... is trying to go plane. No, totally. There is like there's that because it's all drawn from the same. Yeah. Thing. Anyway, this is a whole. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> um, yeah. So, should we go through the factual errors, or should we go through some of the other errors? Yeah, first? Let's, let's go through the that. Well, I mean, these are all kind of. <laughs> They're all factual, but okay, so let's yeah. see. When Captain Steele is approaching the mid-air collision, the plane issues a TCAS, Traffic Collision Avoidance System, alert. Um, the captain then tries to contact the other pilot. In real life, the TCAS already tells both pilots, obviously that makes more sense, what action to take, such as a dive or a climb. Um, due to the very high closing speeds of an approaching aircraft, there is no time to contact the other aircraft. It's akin to calling ahead of you when you're on the highway to avoid a collision. <laughs> yeah, it's probably even worse than that because the planes are moving so much faster. <laughs> yeah. If he if he obeyed the TCAS, he would have not collided with the other plane. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. So that was a made-up uh, conflict. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> like even um, if the other plane isn't being piloted it should be easy for him to just get out of the way <laughs> yeah exactly especially because then you wouldn't need to worry about it also going in the same direction as you exactly you just yeah um yeah. let's see because uh, there's some of oh, these so apparently there are at least five different planes involved in the film oh interesting so oh, one Airbus. That's hilarious. Sorry, one Airbus A three hundred, wide body two aisles on the gate when the passengers boarded the aircraft. One Boeing seven sixty seven wide body every time the camera shoots the plane from the outside while it is flying, and one Boeing seven forty seven wide body two decks when the camera shoots the flight deck cockpit from outside, and one Boeing seven thirty seven narrow body single aisle when the plane is performing performs the emergency landing that's brutal. and one boeing 717 <laughs> uh narrow body when the the plane is at a complete stop and all the passengers are outside that is brutal so they kept switching the plane yeah like it's literally never like almost never the same plane <laughs> That's jokes. In each difference. It's so stupid. That is so You ridiculous. would think that, like, at least they would try to find the same plane. That is so funny. Yeah, they just must have just like, used some random... Just... Like, I get, like, the discontinuity between, like, interior and exterior. Yeah. But that's... there are multiple exterior shots that are different planes. Yeah, that's... Come on. Exterior is one... Like, interior, yeah, totally makes sense to have, like, the aisles be not right. You know, just, you know, you gotta have a room. Yeah. That's, that's makes sense, but come on. Yeah. Normal procedure when a fuel tank is punctured or a fault is detected is to use the plane's controls to pump the fuel from the damaged tank into the undamaged tanks. Makes sense. Using the cross-flow control. However, this is not done. Also, if you have a fuel leak near an engine, 
that engine would be shut off to minimize the risk of igniting the leaking fuel. So... Oh, yeah, now that I think about that, that's so stupid. So, like, obviously... He was just like, yeah, we're just losing some fuel. Let's just let it let it go. Hopefully we'll have enough. Oh, my God. Why, yeah, why wouldn't you shut down the engine? <laughs> and reroute the fuel. Like, okay, so I would like to, like... For those of you who haven't seen this movie, I would I would like to just, you know, point out that we already thought this movie was awful before we knew about any of this. And this is just making it worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is... Because what this is proving is that the conflict, the only conflict in this movie, which was that the plane was damaged because of that... Was completely made up. It's com- Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's completely made up. The conflict doesn't exist. So this movie was is nothing. <laughs> okay. So the captain keeps saying he barely has enough fuel to go to JFK. However, there are at least five <laughs> available airports on route to New York City. Uh, <laughs> New York City to London that are closer than JFK. Gander in Canada being the emergency airport on all transatlantic flights. I mentioned that to you on Discord while I was watching this. Yeah, because because why didn't because that's where all the nine eleven after nine eleven that's where all the flights yeah. went. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, come from away had not been made yet. So right, right. People, they didn't. They didn't know that. I mean, it happened already, but I guess they just weren't aware of it. Like the story hadn't been as publicized. Yeah, people didn't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's five, five airports. Like, oh my god, they didn't think about anything when they wrote this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like so gander, but like also, uh, like I don't know how far they were if they could have landed in these oars, but um, they could have landed in uh, any island in the Caribbean. Yeah, <laughs> any Caribbean. Like, any. Um, like, there's so many options. Greenland. I don't know. <laughs> When Captain Steele's aircraft is cleared for takeoff, he moves four power levers forward. The aircraft shown in the sequence, I like that they specify the sequence, has two engines. Wait, sorry, say that again. So when Captain Steele's aircraft is cleared for takeoff, he moves four power levers forward. The aircraft shown in this sequence has two engines. Yeah, and we've already established that the aircraft don't match. (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is good. This is, I mean, this is pedantic, but all eastbound transatlantic flights um, will fly at an even flight level, 30,000 feet to 32,000 feet, etc., whilst a westbound transatlantic flight um, will have an odd flight level, um, 31,000, 33,000, etc. Following this rule... Oh, actually, that makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah, it's smart. Following this rule, no eastbound flight will ever be on the same flight level as a westbound flight. That's really fucking smart. Yeah, that is really <laughs> smart. I mean, I guess you could argue that maybe the the pilot's disappearing pushed it off its flight path. Yeah, maybe he, like, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe something hit the, like, uh, what do you call that? Uh, yeah, like the, the hat fell onto the lever or a lever or something. Yeah. I don't know. Point being, that one, that, like, that is true. The yoke. The just, yoke. Yeah. That is a yanking and banking. Exactly. Um, oh god, yeah. <laughs> um, after the midair collision and the decision to turn back to JFK, Nicholas Cage's character begins rummaging through the first officer's clothing. 
The captain begins tossing items towards the rear of the cockpit and rejects them for his use. It's highly doubtful that a pilot, let alone an experienced captain on an international route, would want all that cockpit FOD, foreign objects, scattered about the, po- the cockpit. Yeah, it's true. That's pretty willy-nilly. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just like, you Nick know, Cage Some of those Nick things Cage. could hit a switch or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, that stuff could fly around and get jammed in the equipment. It's like when Homer Simpson exactly. goes to space. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so when the aircraft, this old little, little last one here, and then we can move on. Um, when the aircraft is shown running out of fuel, the navigation displays indicate that the aircraft is 4.6 nautical miles out on a straight-in approach to a runway 06R. Neither JFK nor LaGuardia Airport has a runway 06 right. In addition, the analog airspeed indicator shows the airspeed t- airspeed to be zero. <laughs> right. That's funny. Because if they were using a real airspeed indicator, you know, we would. Yeah, I'm so honestly surprised how many plain nerds watched this movie. Well, maybe that's maybe they wanted to watch it because they saw, you know, Nicholas Cage dressed as a pilot. I guess, like, yeah, you know. it's a it is a plane movie, tech theoretically. Do you think they filmed this in an actual plane that was just parked? Uh, maybe parts, but I imagine the cockpit was just a set. Right. Uh. Anyway, um, I'm gonna mention one thing that's not listed here. Okay. But I noticed while watching. Why is there only one British person on a flight from New York to London? That's an excellent question. Only one British British person. Maybe because they did the casting call on Twitter. You know, they have Twitter in England. Yeah, but they probably weren't going to pay people who they hired off Twitter. (laughs) They weren't going to pay people to fly over? I, I can't say for sure, but I honestly doubt it. But who knows? Yeah. Or maybe they just didn't think about that. That's honestly probably it. They didn't consider. Yeah, you would think that like half the people on a flight from, you know, New York to London would probably be. Yeah. Going to London, like, would probably be British, right? You would assume a a fair chunk of them would be. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But no, you have that one lady who's a really weird character in this movie, like drug lady. Um, it's what? a bad trip. Yeah, it's just a bad trip. You've been through this before. <laughs> it's a bad trip. It's a bad. Is that a... <laughs> it's, it's just a bad trip. Do you want more LSD? <laughs> <laughs> we all the Beatles. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> fucking excellent movie. Um, yeah. So that's that's the truth. Um, so. in uh, isn't it indeed? And it really is, to be honest. This is, that was actually a particularly truthy one. Um, yeah, we talked about planes, planes, the rapture, the rapture, and, and Cage's Nicholas money. Cage's money, yeah, yeah, or lack thereof. So we can move on now to kind of our last section here, uh, which is although I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. Here. Yeah, this is kind of our biggest section, really. Um, so we're going to kind of talk about how this movie was received and, you know, where we are with it today. Because, <laughs> you know, it's been, what, how many, six years since this movie came out? Eight years since this movie came out? Holy smokes. 
Yeah, shit, man. Almost a decade. It's a vintage. Like, we're almost as far removed from this movie as this movie was from the original. Yeah, well. Um. So, yeah, so this movie did not get received. Still waiting well. for the sequel. Still waiting. Well, we'll talk about that. Um, everyone, this was not received well by anyone. Let's see. So it has 0% score on Rotten Tomatoes. How many movies have 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, I wonder? I mean, probably a few, but not. Let's let's take a look. Let's see what company it's in. Yeah, I don't know how you, if you can, how do you like? Well, can, I assume probably. Hopefully, you can just sort by rating. That would be cool. Um, it has two percent uh, audience score. Wow. Which means that some people gave it more than one star. Well, you know, it was a feature-length film. <laughs> I'll give it that. That is true. It has that going for it. Yeah, do you want to read? Do you want to read some professional, or do you want to hear some professional uh, uh, reviewers' opinions on this movie? Uh, I'd love to. All right, so we'll start from Lindsay Barr of Entertainment Weekly. Quote, At best, Left Behind is shoddily made sensationalist propaganda with atrocious acting that barely registers as entertainment. At worst, it's profoundly moronic. Audiences, Christian or not, deserve better, and it's hard to imagine that the ham-fisted revelations in this schlock could serve any higher purpose. Yeah, that is about accurate. A brutal, savage, concisely accurate <laughs> uh, summary of this movie. Do you want to read the next one? The other, the uh, next one. Yeah, so Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun gave this film a grade of D-, stating that the writing is horrible, the direction is clunky, the special effects are not special, (laughs) and the acting is so wooden you could make a basketball court out of it. (laughs) Everything about this film seems so forced and overwrought. With all due respect, oh my god. (laughs) That's a good one. I think Richard Roper, did he work with, he did something with, uh, Roger Ebert, right? I don't know, maybe. Sorry? He, he, I feel like he's associated with Roger Ebert in some capacity, but I don't remember Is it because of the Chicago Sun? Is that just it? Uh, I think, who did uh, Roger Ebert write for? It was somebody in Chicago. I don't know. Was it the Sun? Uh, Chicago Sun-Times, yeah. Ah, there you go. So that's probably... So they worked for the same newspaper. So this is so we've got it from the other side of like things because those are, you know, kind of your standard secularist media. Um, but Paul Chambers, who is a a evangelical reviewer, he wrote from his website moviechambers.com. He begins his scathing review uh, with quote, "There are millions of Christians with average or above average intelligence." I'd like to think that I'm one of them. So, what possessed the makers of Left Behind to produce such an ignorant piece of garbage that's easily one of the worst films of 2014, if not all time? Only Satan. Only Satan, yeah. Like, I love the sentence. There are, like, that's such a thinker, like, head scratcher. Like, it almost feels like it's an insulting sentence. There are millions of Christians with average or above average intelligence. I'd like to think that I'm one of them. That's like a weird way to phrase that, if you ask me. 
Yeah. Like, we're all smart <laughs> that people. That kind of implies that, like, also, given how many there are yeah. of Christians, millions doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a good point, actually. How many Christians, yeah. like, are there on the earth? Uh, over a billion. <laughs> yeah, millions uh, is really... So... so is he saying most Christians are be- of below average intelligence? <laughs> that's what he would imply, that's, yeah. That's what he's implying. <laughs> if we're, but I don't think that's what he meant. I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he meant to say it like that, but yeah. Yeah. It's weirdly phrased. So there's also a, a, a review There's from... a review from Christianity Today, yeah. which is a magazine founded by Billy Graham himself. <laughs> Uh, say, oh my wow! Left Behind is not a Christian movie, whatever a Christian movie could possibly even mean. In fact, most Christians within the world of the movie, whether the straight preacher lady at the airport or Rayford Steele's wife, are portrayed as insistent, crazy, delusional, or that, or at very least, just annoying. <laughs> they want churches to book whole theaters and take their congregations. They want it to be a youth group event. Want magazines like this one to publish discussion questions at the end of their reviews want the church to uh sorry want the system to churn away all while netting them cash without ever having uh cared a shred about actual christian belief they want to trick you into caring about that movie don't that's good yeah well said christianity today yeah it's uh yeah they 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 saw right through them. It's just fucking. They sick. saw right through this 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 clever uh their uh, clever move to uh try to market this movie. Yeah, like it, which is funny that like it it seems like again he's saying like the Paul Chambers is like making the like he's basically saying they think we're fucking stupid. Yeah, exactly. And Christianity Today is basically saying the same thing, but. Like, they want us to just churn out, like, they want us to do this for them while they're making money, while this shitty movie. Um, anyway. The movie's just, like, I don't know, you would have had a lot more success if the movie was actually not just terrible. Like, I know, like, because there's <laughs> almost something there, like, even the idea of the book is kind of stupid, but, like, you could make an interesting movie out of it. The plot feel... on paper is not terrible. No, it's Sorry. not. No, no, I should not say that. The plot on paper is terrible. <laughs> the... Um, the vague idea behind it yeah, is a yeah, workable. The, the premise movie. is not terrible. Exactly, the premise is not terrible. You, there's a there's a good movie potentially to be made in from that there. Premise. Potentially, maybe I shouldn't say in there because there's nothing good. in No, there. not in this movie, but in the premise. Yeah, the premise yeah. could be converted into a good movie potentially, but it wasn't. Potentially, maybe, but it really wasn't. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. Um, so a few more things just about the reception. So you've I, yep. m- m- so remember how I said it has like two percent audience score. Mm-hmm. I was like, who rated this film more than one star? So I like went through and I really wanted to because f- I wanted to find a review where someone rated it more than one star and like see what they had to say about it. Um, yeah. So out of f- what five stars, the best I could find was Justin W. Um, uh, so what site is this on? Uh, this is this was uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So let me read you his uh, his uh, his. This is two and a half stars. Yeah. From Justin. Yeah. Not aiming, not aiming for the golden little guy, 
So manageable expectation. Disaster only left clothes and belongings behind for? CG is acceptable, but anyone get the divine massage? I believe he means message. By the yeah. way, where are the underwears? <laughs> Too much disconnected. Two and a half stars. Yeah, so, so I don't think Justin was a fan. No, Justin's not a but fan. But he at least, you know... CG was acceptable. CG was acceptable. That got it two and a half stars. And, you know, look, look, it got him thinking. He's asking questions. He's like, where's the underwear? Yeah. By the way, where, like, where? He, honestly, that's, like, good for you. Like, this is this is the best thing this movie has done, has caused Justin W. to ask the question, where are the underwears? Yeah. Too much disconnected. So... Do you think this film was nominated for any awards? Uh, Razzie? <laughs> yes. It was, but Razzie aside. Any... Yeah. Um, no, I don't, I don't. I mean, it must have because there's, there's a bunch of awards that nobody's ever heard of. Exactly. It was I mean, nominated. we're not talking Academy Awards here. No, it was not. Not Golden Globes, not BAFTAs, nothing. Just It was not in the mainstream award conversations, shockingly enough. Shockingly, despite, you know, how great Nicolas Cage is. Yeah, despite having Oscar an Oscar-winning actor was. in it. Exactly. Um, this was not in the Oscar conversation. However, it was in the GMA Dove conversation. What is that? I was going to ask you to look it up. GMA Dove Awards, where it was nominated okay. for the Inspirational Film of the Year. Didn't win, though. Gospel Music Association. Oh, shit. Interesting. Dove Awards. Um, Is a... a... To recognize outstanding achievement in the Christian music industry. Right. You know what? I just Which remembered... Which is not... There's nothing musical about this film. I think I think it's about the song, maybe because I, I just remembered because the song I played at the end of the last episode is like a, a gospel oh, song. It's like I wish right. we'd all been ready. I wish we'd been right, ready okay. for the for the rapture. For the rapture, precisely. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it was that it had know. something to do with it. But interesting. 2015. Do you know who won Inspirational Film of the Year in 2015? The GMA uh, Dove Awards. Let's see. Because this film did not win. Um. Okay, well, okay. Inspirational. Inspirational film of the year. Inspirational film of the year. Mom's so, Night Out. Mom's Night Out. Let's look that 2014. up. 2014. Mom's Night Out. Tell me. That sounds inspirational. Sean Astin. Holy smokes. <laughs> what the heck? Hardworking mom Allison has a crazy night out with her friends while their husbands watch their children. Interesting. <laughs> okay, what's it rated on IMDb? Uh, 5.4 out of 10. Well, you know. 54%. See, Rotten Tomatoes. 20. 20%. <laughs> eh, not good, not good. 66% audience score. Yeah, okay. Audience Much better than this film. Yeah, so I see why it won. Okay. Um, and I see here now that the other award is uh, nominated for Worst Picture. 
Oh, by the uh, Houston Film Critics Society. Yeah. Yeah, so... So it really was not nominated for anything. It didn't win Worst Picture. Wait, what were, was what was the Worst Picture of 2015? How could it lose? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, By, I mean, who cares about the Houston Film Critics Society, honestly? <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, well, I don't know. Like, if you're on the Houston Film Critics Society and actually, you want to tell me why your organization is interesting, let us know. Oh, yeah, Film Critics Society. Yeah. I was thinking uh, Mike Judge is probably on the Filmmaker Society. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so this film, nobody liked this movie. Literally no one. Well, except. Except? The authors of the book thought it was a fucking capital D dope film. Of course they fucking did. Well, they didn't think the first ones were the first. Oh, really? They didn't like the first ones. So they preferred the film where nothing happened and nobody could act. Precisely. Um, So let's see what they said about it. Um, According to a post on the film's Facebook page, the authors of the original Left Behind novels, Tim LaHaye, and Jerry Jenkins were treated to an early screening of the movie remake and gave the epic, quote, too enthusiastic thumbs up, adding, quote, it's better than good. <laughs> um, this website is likes this movie, too, apparently. Relevant something. Relevant yeah. magazine. I've never heard of it. Yeah. It seems like this is also a Christian magazine. Yeah. Last year, after first reading the script, LaHaye blasted the movie, telling the Christian Post, quote, it's probably the worst script I've ever read, and I've read scores of them. So he turned it around. Wow. To no surprise. I wonder if the original script was good. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I wonder. That's a good point. Was it actually like an awesome movie that they fucking ruined? That they just ruined to appease the uh, the Latino and Jerry yeah, Jenkins. Maybe. To no surprise to anyone who has seen the work of Cage on the big screen, his performance has redeemed even the most loathsome screenplay, turning it into a cinematic masterpiece for the ages. <laughs> huh. Wow. Interesting. Um, After all, there are only two kinds of critics. Those who love Nicolas Cage and those who haven't seen his movies yet. Well, I agree with that. But, um, <laughs> uh, so there are some people that liked it, but they must be not in the millions. Of <laughs> yeah, above <laughs> average intelligence above Christians. Average to above. Yeah, they must be part of the hundreds of millions to a billion of below average intelligence <laughs> Christians, according to that guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this so this last thing here is is really unfortunate. Uh, in August 2021, um, producer Paul Lalonde announced to Pure Flix that a reboot of the Left Behind series was in development. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was being written and produced by the same crew behind, though it was being written and produced by the same crew behind the previous two iterations. Why? Lalonde announced the beginning of production on Left Behind: Rise of the Antichrist with Kevin Sorbo. Oh God! Starring and directing. Yikes! 
<laughs> well, this movie's gonna be awesome. This, yeah. So <laughs> the film will be set six months after the events of the 2014. So it is a sequel. Yeah, it's a sequel. After the events of the 2014 film, it was revealed that Greg Perro will take over the role of Cameron Buck Williams. Three days <laughs> later, it was announced that Neil McDonough and Sam Sorbo, Sam Sarbo, have joined the cast. So no Nick Cage. I don't think so. So who's replacing Nick Cage? I imagine Sam Sarbo. He's just probably not in it. Maybe he's dead. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, there you should we get to our final thoughts? Yeah, let's... Now that you've heard everybody else's? Yeah. Why don't you guys... Why don't you start her off? I mean, I think it should be fucking clear, like, what our thoughts are. <laughs> we haven't been quiet with them at all. Yeah, if what? you've been listening to the episode, if you've got this far, you know. This is okay. We should we should do something interesting actually. Okay. And we should try to start ranking our the worst movies we've covered. Okay. Uh, so the question the question is: Is this movie worse than The Exorcist Two? I would argue it's not worse than The Exorcist Two. It's hard for me to decide. Ultimately, I think that this is more coherent. This movie, yes. This movie is more coherent. So, I will give that. I this, will give it the slight edge. Yeah, this movie at least you can watch it from start to finish and like know what's happening. Yeah. So there's at least a sense of like, you know, like at least at the end, like something happens. Yeah, it's it's kind of grounded, you know, which is hilarious yeah, to say. As opposed to The Exorcist Two, which who the fuck knows what's going on? Yeah, that might. That's up there with probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Besides, yeah, yeah, pandemic. But anyway, so that is our uh, that is our ranking. So so right now in the current kick commentary's <laughs> list of worst films, we have uh, the Exorcist. The Exorcist two. two at the bottom, and then oh, so we're so are we ranking in reverse order then? In reverse order of badness. Well, if Exorcist two is at the bottom, right? Or is Exorcist 2 at the top of the worst? Oh, well, if it's the top of the worst. Yeah, right, right, right. And then we're yeah, going yeah, down. so Exorcist 2. I'm just keeping a list of this. Yeah. And then slightly less bad is um, <laughs> Left Behind. Left Behind. And uh, I don't think we need to... Like, I don't think any other movie that we've done is truly bad enough to be on this list yeah i don't think we've actually covered any movies that have like yeah been competitors for the list for sure no so next time we do a movie that's a competitor for the list we will also try to rank it on this list exactly yeah 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 we'll keep but oh my god just what a trash movie literally nothing about this movie like yeah you know i i know that doesn't give a lot of detail but like it's hard to describe every aspect was below average at yeah. least it was true Literally. like the one thing that i can say is that things tended to be in focus yeah <laughs> that's you know what? all i can say the first ac did a good job they did an acceptable job they, sorry yeah acceptable job <laughs> yeah they did an adequate job <laughs> yeah other than that Everything is subpar. Everything was bad. Everything's subpar and, and devoid of artistry. Exactly. Or creativity. 
or craft or competence. Yep. So yeah, that's that's how we feel about this movie, and that's that's basically it for this week. This week, yeah. Has so been, don't watch this. Don't watch this movie. Yeah. Don't. As yeah, as Christian Weekly or whatever says. Um. Don't. Christianity Today. As Christianity Today says, don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this, this this light on light on facts this week, as I said, but you know, uh, just it's kind of hard. You know, you saw the movie we're covering. Yeah. No, it's terrible. It's like I don't know how many ways ways or times I can say this. I know. I just feel like it's like it's just excrement. I know. It's just weird because like, I I know we keep saying it and we're repeating ourselves and repeating ourselves, but I still feel like I haven't like made it clear enough <laughs> you know like i feel like it still hasn't been adequately expressed uh just all the ways this movie failed to be yeah so like when you did uh when we did um the exorcist 2 you made a list of things that were wrong with this movie yeah with I did. this movie you can't it's the, kind of the opposite you know what i mean yeah you, you have to kind of make a list of things that are right with it because it's like there's just nothing there it, it is really like watching like they just didn't put anything in the movie. Yeah, it's like watching nothing. It is truly weird. It's like, yeah, it's really weird. Because, it's fucking And nobody acts bad. like you expect them to, and nobody has, like, normal response. Dialogue just, yeah, it's, or anything. It's just bizarre. It, it's bizarre. It exists in the in the producer's weird fantasy world that he lives in, clearly. Yeah, looking forward to the sequel. Oh, yeah, looking forward to, what was it, Revenge of the Antichrist or whatever. Uh, yeah, Rise of the Antichrist. Rise of the Antichrist. Sick. That sounds badass. Yeah, it does. All right, well, yeah. So there you go. That's that. That's this this episode this week, this film. God, awful film we can put behind us. And look forward to, you know, better and brighter things in the future. Yeah. Shout out to uh, all our listeners in the UK. And, uh, children died, the days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. And I wish we'd all been ready. And there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Pull off the beast! Not the beast! A man and wife sleeping there. A voice and turns her head, he's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill, one disappears, and one's left standing still.